Okay, and, and if everybody could speak uh, slowly for the Spanish interpreter, that would really be great. So our first speaker is Phil D. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. I want to be able to see my interpreter. Como esta? Yo soy Felipe. Uh, I am a compulsive overeater. Uh, and I am so glad to be here with you guys right now. Uh, I was doing a serious uh, prayer beforehand, just asking my higher power to let his uh, power come to me and through me so that I could be a better service. So I could just share the, the message and just chill from the idea of like getting all up in my ego because that's the thing. All I know is that when I'm asked to speak at a Overeaters Anonymous thing, I suit up and I show up when I can, when I can. Sometimes I don't wear the suit, but for you guys, a little special, all right? <sighs> all right, I'll give you my stats. Uh, I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous at my maximum weight, it was 313 pounds. Um, Ellen, you have the picture, you wanna show it or shall, all right, go for it. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. All right, so at my maximum weight, I was 313 pounds. When I came into the rooms, I was 296 pounds because I wanted to lose a little weight before I came in because I thought everybody would, you know, I wanted to look my best when I came in. Um, and when I came in, I was a, a totally a hot mess. Um, you know, I was constantly eating out of control. I was from the other programs and in those programs, I was, you know, whenever they would have snack time, I would jump on their food. And uh, even when they had the breaks, they would say, okay, you know, there's snacks for everybody except you. And they would point at me because I was too busy trying to eat all their food. And uh, it's a thing that I had to actually make amends to. And when I did my nine step amends, I went to the places and gave donated money for all the food that I ate <laughs> when I went to those places. But today we're talking about the physical aspect of, um, of recovery. And uh, at my, uh, when I first started losing weight, which is kind of a, a weird thing to talk about because, you know, they always say it's when I first came in and I got my sponsor, uh, it wasn't about the weight. I was like, I, I desperately wanted to lose weight. It was, it was my super plan. I came in here to get skinny so I could get a girlfriend and be out of here. But I got much more than I bargained for when I came in, did the step work, which my sponsor highly recommended. Well, first I had to open myself up to the idea of getting a sponsor. And once I did that, I was able to be more amenable to doing the steps as it's laid out in the, the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And of course, and in, in laid out in the Overeaters Anonymous uh, 12 steps and 12 traditions. So to be able to do those things, I started to get some sanity. And you know, in the big book, it says, other people will know, will start to notice before you do. And uh, I started from, from doing the work, like originally I was like, oh, I wanted to lose weight, I wanted to lose weight. But my sponsor was just like, work on the step work, work on the step work. And once I started working on the step work, I started losing the weight and I wasn't even trying. One of the important things were, you know, getting a nutritionist. I got myself a nutritionist and I was able to get that food plan. Um, oh, and before that, I, I came in and somebody else gave me a, a food plan. Some person in program gave me a food plan and my sponsor started to notice I was losing a lot of weight. And he said, 
too much weight. There was a month that I lost 20 pounds in a month. And my sponsor was like, let me see your food plan. And he readjusted my food plan um, because, you know, and eventually I was able to turn that, that turn the idea of my food plan over to my nutritionist and trust my nutritionist and just say, you know, I originally when my nutritionist, I told my nutritionist my trigger foods and things like that. And we were able to adjust, you know, what I did need. These are the things that are triggering to me because you'll know there's always things like people always say, oh, but you could eat this, you could eat this, but I can't because it's a trigger food for me. Oh, but you could have this and put that on there. I can't have those things. And it's, it's understanding for everybody, it is different. And I have to be able to keep those things in mind and be like, because I want what I want, what I want it. I will, I've had nutritionists before where I was able to try and trick them into food things. But luckily for me, a combination of sponsor, good sponsorship and a good food plan, I, was, I started losing weight. I wasn't even thinking that I was doing it. All I was doing is not compulsively overeating a day at a time. And that was that part, the not eating compulsively a day at a time came from doing the step work. When I was so busy being obsessed with that, going to meetings, doing these things, and doing all the work that my sponsor asked me to do, like do service, uh, do, do service, do things like all these different things, even if it's just cleaning up or putting away chairs after a meeting, doing those things, it kept me out of my head. Because instead of obsessing about what I was going to eat after or obsessing over this or like simple things like being a timekeeper, I'm sitting there focusing on the time, not focusing on what I'm going to eat afterwards. So once I was able to do that and get some distance away from those things, you know, slowly but surely, the physical thing was happening. I remember actually going to my doctor and going to my doctor and I said, I think I'm, I'm sick. I, I might have like something going on here. I have this thing right here and it's, it's poking out. I'm afraid it's some sort of thing. You should get a biopsy on this thing. And he looks at it and he pokes at it and he goes, that, that's your rib. That's, that's, that's bone. And I'm like, what? Cause I've never seen that before because you know, at 313 pounds, you don't, you don't see that going on there. And just, just to, to get those things going on, suddenly, slowly but surely, you start to be able to see it. I remember my sponsor was telling me that all my clothes were draping off me and it, was, it said, it was time for me to get new clothes. And I was like, I don't understand because I have body dysmorphia and I keep on seeing myself as the same exact person. And so to go there with my sponsor, my sponsor actually took me to a clothing place and he bought me, because I used to always wear this big sweater this sweater because I was always hiding myself. He bought me a new sweater that fit. And he was like, now nah, let's get you a couple of shirts to go with that. <laughs> and just to do that and to, to see myself with clothes that fit, I just didn't understand because, you know, in my brain, I have that disease of, of I have the, the body dysmorphia. So I always see myself as fat, always. Even sometimes now it comes into my brain and I have to understand I have a disease of perception. I have to always understand that there's disease perception. Um, other important stuff is having that action plan going on there. Um, I started, now note, after the time I lost 100 pounds, um, then, then I started beginning to exercise. I might wanna do a push up. I might wanna do these things. I started 
going to the gym, started moving my body, started going places and doing things, getting more involved, um, walking everywhere. Um, so got my, oh, my favorite one. I went to my, my sponsor and I was like, you know, I have this gym membership. It's just costing me so much money. You know, maybe I should get rid of that so I'll have more money. And he looked at me and said, you should have your gym membership and you should use it. You're paying for it. You should use it. And I was just like, I didn't understand. I was trying to find every way not to do that because I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm, I'm lazy. I'm all these different things. But I, I learned that I am not my disease. You know, I used to think I was so bad, but I, I'm not a bad person. I'm just a sick person. And part of my sickness is that I want to do these things that I think make me feel good, like loafing around and lazying around. But I learned that that's part of, uh, that's part of my character defects. When I went through and I did that fourth step work, and I highly recommend you get the fourth step action in there, you get to see the truth about yourself. I remember I had to pray every time beforehand, God, show me the truth about myself, and then write, write, write. And once I started doing all that stuff, I was able to, to get a clearer thing about all my character defects. I'm fearful, all these things, and I would write those things down. I'm lazy. And then to see these character defects come back over and over again, ask my higher power to remove it because I can't do it on myself. I don't got this. I don't have this. God's got this for me. My, my higher power, I like to call him God. Um, it, it's a combination of many things, you know, quantum mechanics and cats as angels is all these different parts of it's, it's, it's a big wide thing going on for a concept of a higher power, but uh, it's always constantly changing and always growing. I'm always asking people about their, their higher powers. So, you know, I hear things that I like and I take those things. Um, other things that I'm learning, um, a super thing, you know, don't get all up in halt because halt is a big problem of mine. Don't get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You know, I stick to hungry, I stick to my food plan to eat. Um, let's see, hungry, angry, I'm angry. Yo, I'm talking it out with my sponsor. I'm writing out this resentment. I'm praying to God to please relieve me of the bondage itself. Do an angry man prayer. You know, keep me from being angry and understand that other people are sick and suffering just like me. <sighs> Lonely. Yo, we got the fellowship. I'm up in meetings. I'm getting involved. I'm doing service. I'm talking to people in program, going out like, yo, you want to go out and do something or even walk around or, you know, let's do something. Let's go to a movie. Not even not even program stuff. Let's just do stuff and just sit and talk. You know, we could hang out and not have to go to a restaurant. We could do other things, move around, look around town, go do things. You know, there's so much to be done. Um, uh, so lonely. And then like talking to people also a side note, side issue, you know, therapy is another thing that is very helpful to me for me personally. So that's a, a thing to think about. Uh, lonely, uh, tired, rest, yo, rest and sleep. It's one of the, my biggest character defects is my lack of, you know, resting and sleeping. And it's such an important part of the puzzle. Did you know, like I learned when I turned 50, I am now 54. I came in, uh, let's see, I've been abstinent for just celebrated July 1st. I celebrated 12 years abstinent, been in for 13 years. And uh, so just understanding like rest is one of the most important parts of this. I found out when, after I got to 50, it's harder, like wait, I, eating the same thing, but 
weight starts going up. And then I learned that, you know, resting, you know, you don't like, you know, run your body ragged or get yourself super tired because it's, it's not going to help. It doesn't help your body rejuvenate itself. It doesn't help your body replenish itself. Also hydration, you got to drink some water too, especially now with the weather like this, but in general, it's all part of the puzzle. So there's all these different parts that we have to get into um, as side things. In addition to exercise, um, you know, I have a buddy in program and we do like yoga. So that's another thing that helps me move my body around and get more involved. Um, there's so many different aspects of things that help me be physically together. And there's, all right, some pitfalls. How am I doing on time? Because I got some uh, to tell you about some pitfalls over here. We've got about seven minutes left. Seven minutes. Thank you so much. All right. So here's some of the pitfalls of some of the pitfalls of losing weight and uh, getting, uh, you know, whatever your concept of your, your, your thing. So for my body thing, um, I was very heavy. So my thing is trying to be thinner. Um, so I have to watch that because that will drive myself crazy. Um, with my nutritionist, I check in with my nutritionist every two weeks. I only weigh myself and give the information over to her. Don't drive myself nuts about it because if not, I will weigh myself over and over and over again. It's part of my disease. So I don't do that. I only weigh myself when it's time to talk to my nutritionist and that's that. Um, other things that, uh, you learn about is, yo, you start getting cold. All of a sudden, like, you know, I was always really big and I was always hot all the time. So what I learned is about is about being cold and wearing sweaters and doing things like that. Um, other things I started learning about is like I was talking about the bone, what you call it, bones start jetting out all over the place. You're, you need cushions for seats and stuff like that all of a sudden because you, you lost a lot of your personal cushions. So uh, that's something I'm learning about bone stuff. And uh, one of my favorite bones is my collarbone because I get to, I could poke it now. I used to be so um, obsessed over people's clavicles. So now I, I have my own and I can poke it whenever I want to. So that's uh, other good stuff. Um, other things that I learned about is um, when you start losing weight, all of a sudden people are always talking to you about how'd you lose weight? How'd you lose weight? How'd you lose weight? Especially because if they knew that you were really big. Um, so I find that I usually just keep it really simple because a lot of people are not trying to hear about this. Um, and people, it's like, you know, I eat right or, you know, I do a little exercise and they're like, don't tell me that. How do you really do it? And I, and I said, really, you really, really, really want to know? I don't tell you, you know, I go into, I go to Overeaters Anonymous. I availed myself to a sponsor. I do the steps and, you know, from doing that work, you know, I've been able to keep this weight off my body on a daily basis. And they're like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear about some diet tips or something like that. And a lot of people aren't trying to hear it though. But you know what? I've talked to so many people that didn't even know that Overeaters Anonymous existed. And you never know when you're going to be able to carry the message. So just letting people know about that, hipping them. If they're really, really interested, hip them to some meetings, hip them to some stuff. And especially now in this time of Zoom, it is so much easier to catch meetings all around the world. I mean, just looking right out now, seeing people from South Africa, people from all these other places, there, there's a lot of OA to go around and there's a lot of different kinds of meetings to go around. I saw there's men's meetings, there's LGBTQ meetings, there's people of color meetings, there's all these different kinds of OA meetings going around. There's so much diversity here, so much stuff, so many opportunities. 
there is no excuse not to be down with some of this. Even if, you know what, even if you don't believe in a higher power or something like that, yo, I've worked with people that are atheists. I've worked with people that, uh, you know, don't believe in any kind of concept of a higher power, but they are able to come to some conclusion of something greater than them that is not them. And they are able to get through that step work. So I highly recommend step studies, getting involved with that stuff. That's some stuff that has helped personally for me. Another thing that you have to really watch about is your ego. Yo, hold on to your ego. Cause once you start losing weight, all of a sudden, here's an example, people that were always like that, that I might've been romantically interested in, in but always used to tell me, no, I don't want to ruin our friendship. All of a sudden start coming around and being like, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, what do you mean? Hey. And they're just like, you know, suddenly they're willing to ruin our friendship by, you know, being all like, Hey, what up? What's up now? Note in the beginning, you know, you have to really work this out on your fourth step for real about this kind of stuff, because um, part of your sex inventory is writing about um, your sexual ideal and sticking to it. You write about the things that not, Oh, I want the person to look like this and looking like, no, that's not how it is. You write about the things that you're looking for in a relationship. Am I looking for a monogamous relationship? Am I looking for a polyamorous relationship? Am I looking for, you know, all these different things. I want to, to be in a relationship with a person that has a sense of humor. Guess what? You should have a sense of humor. A person that has a spirituality, then you should have some spirituality. Um, game recognizes game. Like recognizes like. All the things that you are looking for in a person, you should also have these things because it's all about you if you are in love with these kind of concepts of these things, these are you too, you know? So all the things I'm really looking for is the things that I'm looking for within myself. So I must admit every once in a while in the past, uh, in certain situations, people that were all like, you know, I, I wish I could be like, Hmm, you know, you were a person that's trying to talk to me. You weren't willing to talk to me when I was big. And now you're trying to talk to me. I must admit, I, I fall into some situations. All right, only human, but those things didn't last. You know, I had to get those things out of my system in the beginning. But in, in any case, I recommend highly that we, that for me, I guess I learned from doing the steps over and over and over again, that I should definitely, in every case, be a person of integrity and stick to uh, my little list of all the things that I am looking for in a relationship, the things, the qualities that I should have and the qualities that I'm looking for in person. And avoid red flags, for goodness sakes, because trust me, you do not want your, spot, your sponsor to be like, are you sure you want to be doing that thing? Don't make me be all telling you I told you so. But, you know, if I had a nickel for every time, a situation where your sponsor is just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, I told you so. And it's just like, yeah, I know, I know. I just had to prove it, you know, whatever. The main point is you are worth it. You are, you are here. You're in the program. You're doing this work. You know, there are so many ways that you are just doing this thing and you should be proud of yourself. You don't need um, another person's like pat on the head and or whatever. Uh, you should be doing this for yourself. And when you have this confidence in yourself, you don't need any, you know, self-aggrandizement so, so from other people telling you that you're so great. The main point is no, if I'm straight with my, my sponsor and straight with my God, I'm straight with myself, I'm good. Now, no, uh, when I say straight, I don't mean like that. Everybody has the interpretation to be whatever they want to, not against that. Um, what I'm saying is 
keep it right. Keep it a hundred, keep it a hundred percent with your higher power. Keep it a hundred percent. My sponsor, anytime I mess up anything, my sponsor is always like, where's God in the picture? Where is God in the picture? Even in your relationships, even in your sexual stuff, even in your working out, even whatever your situation is, keep your higher power in there. Anything that you put in front of your higher power, you're going to lose. Anything you put in front of program, you're going to lose. And now note. That's your time. Well, I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, everybody. I love you guys. I love OA. Love my higher power. Bless you. Enough said. Phil, you were awesome. Really appreciate your service. Um, the uh, next person will be Doreen G. Welcome, Doreen. Hi. First of all, thank you, Phil. And I want to welcome all 160 participants. Um, I'm Doreen. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I want to gear my share to what it was like, what happened and what it's like now because the physical recovery is my dream come true. Um, but it's not why I can live today, but it's, I feel like it's this amazing gift I get by um, being an Overeaters Anonymous and working my program. So I was an obese child um, and I um, started overeating and was obese by the age of four we can see the change between age three and four. And I went from normal to obese and I grew up in the sixties. And so I was taken to the doctor since I was five. I was put, went to the diet doctor um, and was given diet pills at age seven before I could swallow. They would um, open the capsules and mix it in my grape juice. Um, I was, always on a diet, keeping food charts, going to the pediatrician once a week to be weighed. Um, if I lost weight, my mom would buy me a candy bar in the pharmacy outside the doctor's office. Um, the doctor would sit me down and say, um, I remember the conversations that um, little boys don't like fat little girls. Um, I'm big boned. Um, I inherited this from my family. And so this is the way it's going to be. So there was this hopelessness. I thought I was trapped in this body and then I could never get out. I felt like I was imprisoned. Um, I lost weight and gained weight, but never was thin in my life till I was age 20. Um, I came into OA when I was age 18 and got my abstinence, this abstinence when I was 20. Um, I am a food addict. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've accepted I always will be one. Um, I know in my heart I'm a compulsive overeater and to this day I have an addiction with food. Um, for some people they may say I'm recovered. It's not an issue anymore. Um, I have to pay attention to my food every single day. Um, and I only get my abstinence for one day, but I, um, I'm very, very, very grateful. I have 42 years of abstinence. Um, so when I um, was a teenager, I was suicidally depressed. Um, 
I um, went to um, a counselor and a psychiatrist actually. And um, it's because my pediatrician said I would not live if I didn't go. And it was that psychiatrist who helped me connect that there was Alcoholics Anonymous. Maybe there was Overeaters Anonymous. I looked in the phone book, got the phone number called. Um, I was scared to death. Um, when I went to my first meeting, I heard the word God and I thought, what is this organization? It's a cult, I'm scared to death. People shared about eating food out of the freezer, about binging and I'm thinking, who are these people? Well, guess what? I ate food out of the freezer. I binged, I hid my, what I did. I um, was, I would eat till I would gray out. I don't know if people know what that means, but like if I, if I tried to starve or not eat for the day, I would um, end up when I started eating, I couldn't eat until the end of the day and I went to sleep and it was a gray out. So if I started at three, I'd be compulsive overeating the rest of the day till bedtime or till I not went to sleep. If I started, uh, I would bake things thinking, oh, I'll just bake for the family. And then I would eat all the burnt stuff. No, I'd eat dough. Once I ate challah raw and my stomach inflated because it had not risen yet and I was horribly ill, I would try to eat food that tasted horrible so I wouldn't overeat it, but I would overeat it anyways. Um, my last experiment before coming to OA, I had decided I'd always been deprived. I'd always deprived myself, so I'm gonna eat whatever I want. And I gained, um, started Thanksgiving and I gained 15 pounds, which now doesn't sound like that much, but 15 pounds between Thanksgiving and Christmas and I came into OA January 1st, 1978. So that's what it was like. Um, in my, in the, the first meeting, someone, uh, it was a two hour meeting back then and at the break, you'd go to the literature table and somebody there gave me her phone number and she said, call me. And I bought all the literature and I went home and I had a hat, uh, I think I had, cottage cheese and diet French dressing on a salad. And I had no idea what I was doing. And um, back then there were two food plans or maybe three, a blue sheet, a gray sheet and an orange sheet. And um, there was, those were the ways you were able to start your abstinence. And abstinence was defined by not compulsively overeating, which was three meals a day and not eating in between. And to this day, I eat three meals a day and I don't eat in between um, unless I'm directed to, like I was pregnant, I've had two children, so it, it changed up. Um, but I, like I hated being pregnant because I had to get big. So being a thin size is critically important to me to protect and to um, honor. Now, doesn't mean I don't work a program, but if you're new, you're, you need to know that there isn't a magic wand here. Overeaters Anonymous is not gonna take away your disease. In fact, it reveals our disease more and more to us. And we more and more have to work a program, which is the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous in order to maintain our abstinence and our way of life.
And for me, it started with these tools. And if you're new, there's a pamphlet on the tools. And it started with, um, maybe it's my age, because I was young, I just needed tangible. I had no idea what the steps were or what they meant, but I understood calling my sponsor. I understood going to a meeting. I understood doing service by setting up chairs or cleaning up or making coffee or saying hello to someone. I understood reading the big book or the 12 and 12. Those were tangible things. I understood make a phone call. Um, it doesn't mean any of that was easy, but I could grasp onto actions that helped me feel like I could be abstinent or what you did in between your meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner, do the tools in between your meals. And so I hope you get that pamphlet. Um, this abstinence, oh, I forgot to say the very first person I met um, gave me her phone number. She took my phone number. She called me and she called me and I wanted to um, overeat. And she and it was at night and she said, why don't you go to bed? And I said, what? It's 730. She said, well, you can end the day anytime you want. And so that was the beginning of the 24 hour day concept for me that I could end the day anytime I wanted. And also in OA, I learned I can restart the day anytime I wanted. I don't have to say I screwed up this day. It's horrible. I'm going to go binge. It's like, I don't have to let how I feel at a certain part of the day ruin everything because it does change. Feelings pass in an hour, in two hours. Um, it may be a miserable day and I can go to bed and I say, thank you, God, I get another day tomorrow. Thanks for getting me through today. Um, so um, the concept of 24 hours a day. But anyhow, I learned that in the beginning. But I binged again in this abs in before I got this abstinence. And it started with a, a piece of cake at lunch. And it was because I felt sorry for myself. And like Phil said, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And so I was feeling sorry for myself. I Back then it was like, you could eat like other people. Um, you'd just be a moderate mealer. And so I was trying to fit in. Um, and the binge went on and on and on, throwing food out the window, buying food, throwing it out the window, crying, drinking a diet soda, going back to an old boyfriend, getting drunk. And I had never let someone see me like that. And I woke up the next morning, sweaty, dry mouth, puffy, um, degradation, horrible feelings about myself. And that's how it always used to be. And it took me a number of hours to get right back to it. And I believe our disease is progressive. So I, after being in program was worse than ever. And at that next day, when I woke up, I made a phone call and someone came and met me. And um, I had to eat my three meals that day. I didn't want to stop eating. I hated everybody, hated everything, hated OA. And I, and I was told, call for help. If you want help, you got to call. And so people came and helped me. They said, eat if you want. We're not going to stop you, but we're here for you. And I got through that night. And the next day I went 
to my first OA meeting with this abstinence. And that was April 22nd, 1979. And again, I've told you people took me. And at that meeting, um, I, I said, I stood up at the podium, I hate you all, I don't wanna be here. <laughs> and then people took me home and did a 12 step call on me, which they sat around the table. And then one of the people got me on the phone with her sponsor, her sponsor met me at the meeting that night, sat me down and basically said to me, this is what I want you to do. 90 meetings in 90 days. Call me with your food every morning at a specific time. Follow this food plan. Um, I want you to work at the tools every single day, each tool. I want you to read every day. And um, no, it was three phone calls a day. And I had very specific directions that gave me the belief I could be abstinent if I followed this person. So my sponsor at that time was my higher power. And I was taught, even if I couldn't believe in a higher power, I could believe in someone who did, or I could be willing a teeny, teeny bit to believe in a higher power and pray for the willingness to believe a little more, a little more. It doesn't matter today if you have this much willingness to give up the food, you only need the teeniest, tiniest bit and to stay in the convention today and eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if you want another day of abstinence, be at the convention tomorrow, you'll be protected. And surrounding myself with program people has always been key to my recovery. Um, so I lost weight, I got thin and my sponsor wanted me to get a maintenance sponsor. And I went back to the very first sponsor who called me that third day of program and she became my maintenance sponsor. And why that was important was she was a young woman, a little older than me who came into OA at my age and she and I had things in common and she was a little ahead of me in her life. She had what I wanted. So one of the things is to get a sponsor who has what you want. And at that time, it was a thin sponsor who was young and beautiful and took care of herself um, and loved the program and had a sponsor. And I followed her into this day, all these years later, she has 50 years of abstinence and I have 42 and we're still together in this lifetime. Um, and, and that's the other thing is we moved, a group of us in my abstinence beginning moved in a group. We were like this little cluster of people. We'd go to the same meetings. We'd eat together. We'd have coffee together. We'd do everything together and go to a meeting every day. So the lesson there I want to share is you can't do this alone. You cannot be abstinent alone. And, um, and all of this goes on and I'm been thin but it's because I need to protect my physical recovery. I'm not thin automatically. There's a difference I think between weight and abstinence. If I work my abstinence, I will be a normal weight. I will be thin, but I have to protect that and use my eating for me as a gauge to when I'm off the beam. So if I'm wanting to eat more at a meal, or I'm really, really hungry, I have to say, but again, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or what? And um, 
And am I, I do have to, I am required to not get too thin. That's the other thing. I am not allowed to get too thin. I have a maintenance weight. Um, we didn't have nutritionists. Okay, thank you. Yay. Okay, so I'm going to jump. You guys got the gist of it. This is a lifetime program. <laughs> and you have to work it a day at a time. But I do want to tell you, as great as my life sounds, I have a child, I have two children, uh, college degrees, uh, husband, a home, um, love in my life, friends, um, things, something happened when I was um, 21 years ago and I got epilepsy and I felt like God really ripped me off because I was healthy. I worked a good program. I was thin. I was 40 years old. I exercised, blah, 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 blah. And I developed a seizure disorder. And so I live um, taking medication and that's why I can be here today. Um, but it was the program of eating three meals a day that Dorian, you're muted. Okay. All I was saying was that um, my, my abstinence has helped me live with epilepsy. And who knows if I didn't have my recovery. Um, first of all, having physical recovery kept me willing to be, no. I think, accepting of my life. Because I got, I was, at least I had my thinness. And when the doctor wanted to give me epilepsy medicine that made you gain weight, I said, can I have a different kind of seizure medicine? So being thin, I protected. Um, the other thing is, um, I was saying it, abstinence helps me take my medicine on regular times. Um, the other thing is I've had to give up so much my career. I have to sleep every afternoon. I have to be willing to take care of my physical self that OA taught me about to live with epilepsy. And thank God there are counselors I've had to have counselors in my life to live with the depression and take antidepressants from um, all that's happened to me. Um, but it's the way it is. I don't let people tell me I can't take medicine. I don't let people tell me what to eat. I am one of those people that likes big salads, half a cantaloupe, the largest apple. Um, I get to enjoy my food. But I I also, and yeah, and people have always tried to tell me eat more meals or gee, that's a big salad or whatever it is. And as long as I'm abstinent, which is three meals a day, not eating in between, maintaining a normal weight, going to meetings, having a sponsor, reading literature, um, doing service, um, making phone calls or now there are texts, there are answering machines. I mean, I started when you had to dial the phone. Oh, before I have to finish, I do want to say that when you want to binge, there's a little bit of time if you just give it a little bit of time, because back then we had to dial. And so I would want to binge and I'd start making phone calls, dialing on the phone. And there were no answering machines. So I had to keep making phone calls. So maybe I'd make 10 phone calls and it passed the, 
the the urge to overeat passed. So um, I think my time's just about up. Do I have one minute left or are we done? You have one minute and 11 seconds. Okay, here we go, fast. No. Um, so what's happening right now is my mother had a stroke a few weeks ago and I'm in Los Angeles where I started my abstinence, where I grew up. And I first felt like I was a crazy person, like what am I doing back in LA and how do I live here? I'm haunted with my family. And then a dear friend who, I, who I've been abstinent with all these years took me to my first earned person meeting since COVID. And I was in that meeting and we held hands and I thought, oh my God, I'm holding program people's hands. And it was, such a blessing, but I will tell you, Zoom is incredible. Having meetings on Zoom saved my life. I'm gonna keep going to Zoom meetings. If I can go to a person meeting, that's secondary to keeping, making sure I go to a meeting no matter what technology or physical space I'm in. So thank you. Was I muted? I apologize. Okay. So, okay. Thank you, Toreen. Appreciate your share very much. That was awesome. And uh, the next person is James L. Welcome. Hi, everybody. I'm James. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm recovered but not cured. Uh, I am calling in from a place called Westport on the west coast of Ireland. Um, and it's great to be here. Um, physical recovery, I suppose, for me, it, it starts with my relationship with my body, you know, and from a very early age, I was I was quite ashamed of my body. I was ashamed of my size um, from the age of about 11 or 12. I went on my first diet and, and that's when I started to cover my body and, and keep my body covered at at all times. It's when I started avoiding um activities and situations where I might have to um, show my body. So I stopped swimming. I stopped, um, you know, taking my T-shirt off at the beach or at the swimming pool or, or wherever that was. And that was the, the start for me of, of a, you know, a long period of time where I really hated my body. I really hated it, you know. And um, the only thing I ever wanted from that moment on was to be skinny. You know, that was the single most important thing in my life. You know, that was my higher power before I came into this program, you know, before I even knew what a higher power was. Being slim, you know, that was it for me. And throughout my teens, as I started to gain more and more weight, as I started to gain independence as a, as a teenager and, and, and have more autonomy over my life and be able to make more choices in terms of what I ate or what I didn't eat and what, how I spent my free time, you know, the hatred of my body grew with that, you know, the bigger I got, the more I hated it. And as I started dieting, you know, I, I didn't care about nutrition. I didn't care, you know, about anything. All I wanted to, was to lose the most amount of weight in the shortest period of time. And um, I didn't care how I did that. 
Um, I, I, it always ended in failure for me. <laughs> it, you know, sometimes I lost some weight. I mean, at my highest, I was the highest I ever saw on a scale was 279 pounds. Um, so, and, and, and today I am, I, I, I'm trying to convert uh, from what, stones to, um, to pounds, but I'm, I'm approximately 12 stone which is 140 plus 30. So 170, 170 pounds. Um, now that is, that it seems to be my um, healthy, natural body weight. I'm, I'm, I'm quite lean at this weight. Um, but before that, you know, I, I hated my weight. I hated the number. Um, and, and I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be slim. Um, and I would have done anything to get there. And, and that took me on a roller coaster of activities and trying new things, you know, trying new diets. You know, like a lot of you, I went, I did them all. I did the Weight Watchers and, and the other diet clubs. I did the Atkins diet. I did the cabbage soup diet. You know, I went to personal trainers. I went to nutritionists. I was hypnotized. Um, I read a million self-help books. I did all these things to try and control my weight, to try and figure out how could I be skinny and, and eat the food that I wanted to eat at the same time. You know, because that was the real goal for me, eat, eat what I wanted and be skinny. Um, and I had varying degrees of success. You know, there was there was one period of time where I lost maybe 60 or 70 pounds over the course of a few months. And, and I got down, you know, I, I wasn't happy at the time with my weight, but I, I was a lot smaller than I had been. And people were complimenting me. And, and I did like that, but I still wasn't in any position to to like my body, to love my body, to accept my body. Um, it, it was still something that was very, very difficult, you know, and even after I'd lost the weight, I still saw myself the exact same way. I, my, my image of myself didn't change. And for me, you know, I was obsessed with the number on the scales, you know, I, I was obsessed and it couldn't be smaller. You know, it couldn't be small enough. There was no number, you know, no matter what I got to, I wanted to go further. I wanted it to be a little bit less. Um, and when I came into OA, so I'm, I, I haven't eaten compulsively since the 11th of August, 2016. So that will be four years and 11 months tomorrow um, with the help of God. And um, when I came in, all I wanted was to be skinny. I didn't want recovery. I didn't want emotional recovery, emotional sobriety. I didn't want anything to do with God or spirituality or any sort of a connection with anything. You know, I just wanted to be skinny. And when I walked into the room for the first time, you know, I was quite taken aback, you know, because I, in my head, I was expecting it to be like Weight Watchers. I was expecting to come in and see a room full of people who you know, were overweight and were wanting to lose weight. But what, the room I actually walked into was a room with the majority of people were quite slim, you know, with, with a couple of people who were overweight. And that was the first thing that, that really kind of surprised me. The second thing that surprised me when I came in was there was no book that that's well I know there is a book but there was no like pamphlet because I was so used to just being given a book and said do this and you'll be fine you know and, and I didn't get that in when I came in um you know the, the the guidance I got was find a sponsor find a sponsor and um 
that's what I did. You know, I, I went out and, and, and in Ireland at the time, the, there was very few men. I mean, there still isn't a huge amount of men, but at that time, there, there was very few men that had any sort of recovery that could sponsor. So I had to go to a few different meetings in my city before I found a man that was willing to sponsor me. And when he agreed to sponsor me, you know, the first thing we did was we sat down and, and I worked out what my trigger foods were. And I never knew. I didn't know I had trigger foods up to that point i didn't know that certain foods made me want to eat more triggered this allergy you know i didn't know any of that i mean i knew there was foods that i liked i knew there was foods that i went for again and again but i didn't know those foods were triggering something in me that i couldn't control so the first thing we did was we found out what those those trigger foods were um, and then once we had that done, we, we put a food plan in place. And, and at that time, I just copied his, you know, which was three meals and two snacks. And even though I had been on a million diets, I really didn't know much about nutrition. Um, but I, I, I kept it very simple in, for the first couple of months. You know, I just kept it plain, kept it simple and, and just ate what I needed to eat to get me through. Um, I, I'm, I'm relatively tall I'm, I'm six feet tall. Um, so my sponsor's advice me was, you know, to make sure I ate, you know, a, a good portion, you know, I wasn't going on a diet. I was here to work the steps to, to get recovery. You know, I wasn't here to lose weight. I wasn't here to go on a diet. So his advice was make sure I eat enough to get me from one meal to the next meal and, and, and that, and, you know, I, I still, in the back of my head, I was like, okay, I'll do this, but when do I lose the weight? And how much weight do I lose every week? And where's the graph that shows me how much weight I'll have lost after three months? Because that's what I was used to, and that's what I wanted to know. You know, and he couldn't tell me that, and he couldn't give me that. And his advice to me at the time was, you know, I needed to let that go. I needed to let go of the diet mentality. I needed to let go of my weight. I needed to accept that I was powerless over it, as well as the food. I was powerless over my weight. And the more I focused on working the steps, reading the book, going to meetings, being of service, the more I focused on, on the tools, and uh, the, the, the more the weight would fall off. And, and for me, uh, you know, my weight literally disappeared. You know, it, even now when I think back, I'm like, did I imagine it or, or did it actually happen like that? But I lost my weight in, in three chunks. And, and each of those chunks kind of happened very quickly. You know, so much so that I, that I would have to do a double take and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, within, you know, a very brief amount of time, suddenly my, my clothes were very loose, you know, and I'd have to go and get new clothes. And then those clothes would fit me nicely for, for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And then all of a sudden, you know, those clothes would be um, would be too too big for me. You know, it, it, it's, I don't understand this. I, I don't know how it happened or, or why it happened, but that's just how it happened with me. It just it dropped in these kind of in these big chunks um, and very quickly. Um, at the at, in my very early days in OA, I weighed myself every week um, because I was still obsessed with that number. I was still obsessed, and and after a couple of months, my sponsor just suggested, you know, just suggested that I stop that I stop weighing myself because, you know, like I said earlier, there there there. The number is never small enough for me. And I know now I don't weigh myself. Um, I weighed myself at Christmas was the last time I weighed myself. And even then I wasn't happy. You know, I was not happy with the number. 
I was like, oh, I wish it was just a little bit less, you know? So for me, I just, I don't do it. I don't weigh myself unless I have to, you know, unless a doctor asks me to, or, you know, for some reason, someone needs my weight, then I weigh myself. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no number. I don't think, I don't know. Maybe someday I'll be happy with the number, but up to now, um, there's no number there that, uh, that will do. So that's how my weight kind of fell off and, 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 and other parts of my physical recovery, you know, after about a year in program, I went to get a nutritionist because, you know, at that point I started to think, you know, I, I've lost all this weight. Um, you know, I, I want to now start nourishing my body, you know, because for me, my, um, my metabolism really kicked off when I came into this program, you know, it really, like I, I can almost feel it, you know, when I eat, my, you know, I get hungry quite easily and, you know, I have to eat quite big portions, you know, to, to sustain me and to, to, to give me energy and, you know, to keep my body and my mind alert throughout the day. Um, and that was something that I'd never experienced before, you know, cause I was always, I was just always full from food before. So I had to go to a nutritionist because I wanted to make sure I was getting the right nutrients into my body, you know, and, um, so I went to the nutritionist and I, I gave her my food plan and I told her what my trigger foods were. And, you know, she just came back and we, we spent some time talking about like things that I could change, you know, just to get more nutrients into my body, just to get more, make sure I was getting all the vitamins and, and, and things like that, that I needed. And, you know, for the, it was, I, I had been to nutritionists before solely for the point of view of how do I lose weight, you know, but this time was different. This was, you know, how do I give my body what it needs, you know, and, and that's where my relationship with my body started to, to go, you know, how do I give it what it needed um, uh, so that I could live a, a productive life. For the first few months also, I was in program, I didn't do any exercise. And um, all throughout my life, I never liked exercise. I was always the slowest kid at school. I was always the last person to be picked for the team um, when we did sports. Any sport I ever tried, I was always bad. You know, I was never any good. I was always slow and I never wanted to do it. You know, I never wanted to do it. And when I first came into program, you know, I, I, I remember talking to a, a member and I said, you know, what about exercise, you know? And I always had that perfectionist um, exercise kind of in my head, you know, when I was on a diet, you know, I have to get up every morning at 5 a.m. and, you know, go and have someone in, in spandex shout at me for two hours. You know, I had to, I had this really extreme vision in my head of, of what it meant to be healthy and what it meant to be fit, you know, and I, I'd go to the gym, you know, every day for the first week at 6am and then I wouldn't go for one day and then I'd say, oh, well, I missed a day, so there's no point going back. Um, and I didn't want to do that anymore. And, and, and I was talking to a member and she suggested, you know, or she told me what she did, which was God led exercise. And I, I kind of didn't know what that meant. And, and she explained it to me that it was just, you know, she exercises when God gives her the, the, the motivation to exercise. And when she doesn't, she doesn't. And she was no better and no worse when she did one versus the other. And I really liked that idea. And I thought about it for a few days. And as I thought about it, I started to actually think that I actually would like to exercise now, you know, and, and I started very slowly, very gradually. I started swimming you know, swimming for 10 or 15 minutes, you know, very slowly, just really gently and, 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 and not 
doing anything excessively or extreme and and i just found like god i really like this and, and as time went by I, I started swimming for longer periods of time i started swimming more frequently during the day and and from there it's just kind of progressed you know and, and it's all been in a kind of a a really loving um nurturing god-led way you know if i wake up in the morning you know and i don't want to do any exercise that day i don't and that's you know that's just fine um and if i do want to exercise that's fine too but either way i'm no better or worse a person for it um and you know as i've gotten fitter and healthier over the years um you know i've been able to do things that i never thought i would do i'm, I'm actually you might notice i'm i'm in my car <laughs> i'm on vacation at the moment um and yesterday i climbed a mountain um you know a, a really um a really steep tough mountain to climb um but i did it you know and and i did it you know with no major difficulty or no major problems you know and and that's that's and it's a miracle an absolute miracle you know there, there would have been times where i don't think i would have got 10 percent of the way up that mountain you know um, and yeah. i wouldn't have even what i wouldn't mm -hmm. okay thank you um i wouldn't even have wanted to go any further i wouldn't have even wanted to i wouldn't have even let myself get into the position where i'd be near the mountain um, the day before, I went on a 43-kilometer cycle, which is, I don't know, maybe 30 or 35 miles. Um, you know, again, I would never have done that in the past. I, I wouldn't have wanted to. But that day, on, on the other day, I, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I was with my friends. It was a beautiful day, you know, and I wasn't worried about, you know, would I be able to do it? Would I be sweating? You know, would I be, uh, you know, out of breath? Would people be looking at me? Would I look fat? You know, all that stuff was gone. And and that is an absolute miracle. Um, like I said before, I, I, I'm now a healthy body weight, you know, and and the level of acceptance I have now for my body is is greater than I, I have ever had before. But it's not perfect, you know, and, 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 and I am not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. This, I, you know, it's progress every day, and I'm, I am getting better every day, and I'm, I'm getting to a point where I like my body, and um, I don't love it, and there are parts of my body that I love, but you know, there are other parts that I don't love, um, but I don't hate it anymore either, which is for me is is a huge, huge improvement. Um, there are, you know, like the the first speaker mentioned, there are some, you know, there are some downsides to physical recovery. Um, I am cold all the time all the time I'm, i still have my winter um my winter bed clothes on my bed because you know i'm cold um i mean yeah it's the middle of summer here in ireland but it's not very warm and i'm cold um you know that's that's it's a small price to pay you know it is a small price to pay um like that too i remember when i first lost the weight you know it was actually uncomfortable sleeping because like it was i was lying on my on my ribs that i'd never i i always had lots of cushioning between my ribs and and, and the bed you know whereas then all of a sudden like my my ribs were actually touching the mattress you know and, and that took uh some time to get to get used to you know um i have some excess skin on my torso you know that that i don't particularly love um but I'm working on that. You know, I'm working on accepting it. I'm working on coming to terms with it. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be as, as patient and as tolerant and as kind to my body as I can be, as, as God will allow me. You know, there's, I still have days where I think I'm fat. 
you know, I still have moments. Um, but 99% of the time, you know, I'm, I'm happy for my, I'm happy with my body. I'm grateful for it. I enjoy it. You know, I go out um, I get complimented. Um, people refer to me as skinny, which still makes me go, who, who me? I, I, I still, that, I still struggle with that. I, I don't, relate to it you know they say this you know you're skinny i'm like am i i i don't i don't fully i just i just find it strange um you know there are people in my life now who have never known me overweight you know they've only known me like this because my life has grown so much in recovery you know I, i've been opened up to all these new worlds and um, because of recovery and, and and people you know they just think they're you know this guy is is naturally slim you know um yeah, and, and, and I'll finish on just the gratitude I have for my higher power, the gratitude I have for the program, for um, the first sponsor who, who helped me with my food plan, for my current sponsor who um, is helping me with my emotional sobriety. I'm grateful for everything I can do with my body today. Um, it's, it's an absolute miracle. It's a joy to be able to do it. It's a joy to be able to share that experience with all of you today in, you know, however thousands couple of thousand miles away you are to be able to connect like this over zoom um it's a miracle um and i thank you and i'll leave it there